Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Uh, Mikey Stafford here. I'm joined by Rory O'Neill as always, and Kevin McStay and Eamon Fitzmaurice as we're about to look forward to the All-Ireland Football semi-final delayed between Kerry and Tyrone, with the winners obviously going on to play Dublin. Sorry, force of habit, going on to play Mayo. Um, So we'll get on to that in a minute, but there's a little bit of breaking news as we record here on Thursday afternoon. Liam Cahill Rory has decided to uh, stay with the Dacia for another year and uh, turn down the overtures of his home county Tipperary, which is it will be surprising to some, probably outside the Dacia, but those inside probably think, look, we got to an All Ireland final in his first year, and we probably over we we overachieved this year again, considering withdrawals and injuries and everything else. So he has a good little project going there and. You know, Tipperary is one of the biggest counties in Ireland geographically, and it's surrounded by other counties, so it's not going anywhere. No, the the only thing about the, the only thing about the Tipperary job is, and this would be peculiar, I suppose, to a lot of counties where, you know, the prodigal son heads off and then he looks to come back and he gets offered the job. You do have to be careful because I'm sure Eamon would maybe have been in a similar scenario. Like a lot of these guys will tell you, you may not get offered the job again. You know, like the next time that the job comes around, somebody else might come in for it or somebody else might be considered the the new guy on the block and he might be the kind of more, the, you know, the, the fashionable figure to get in. But I think from his point of view, I think it was definitely like to my mind, it was it was an obvious decision because like you have to like they had two years of COVID. So his first year was a straight knockout. Um, his second year or sorry. Yeah, uh, he had back. He had the back door, wasn't it? There was a back door mm-hmm. in COVID, but still, it was played out behind closed doors. And this year, obviously, yeah, you know, it was a summer championship, but still, a very sort of rushed sort of championship. Like next year, the round robin will be back. There'll be home championship matches in Walsh Park. He'll have Tyg de Burka back at his disposal. He should have a proper league campaign to kind of launch himself into it. And I think Waterford are definitely going the right direction. If you have to remember, Waterford, Waterford were knocked out of the two championships under his tenure by the team that won it, which is Limerick in the semi-final and Limerick in the final. So he's doing, he's he's doing some great work. And I think it was a smart move on his part, certainly to go and seek another 12 months and see if he can maybe push them over that final furlong. Um, and hopefully the tip job then will, will come his way at some time in the future. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, it's, uh, it's, it's probably, it's not an unfamiliar situation for a GA manager to be in, I suppose, certainly in modern times when, you know, moving between counties is more accepted and more normal. But there has to be, like, he, he didn't rush out to, 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 to dampen down these rumours. He clearly gave it a bit of thought. And there has to be a bit of a, you know, a tug on the heartstrings, your home county, a job you desperately wanted two years ago before Liam Sheedy came sweeping in versus, you know, a project. And obviously... While he is repeatedly described as not exactly being an arm around the shoulder manager and like, you know, one of the guys, he seems to be very much standoffish, very, um, 
uh, bit, probably a bit like a principal <laughs> in how he deals with the players. But there's a connection there, and he f- probably feels he's he's achieved something, but not his ultimate goal. So, as a manager, a very driven manager, sometimes I suppose that desire to achieve a goal will, you know, supersede even the desire to manage your home county. Yeah, um, that's that, that's all. That's all very logical, Mikey. I, I think when you have a big uh, county like Tip. In Harlan, obviously, and you're somebody like Liam Cal looking in over the fence. I think what what from a manager on the outside who's who might uh, aspire one day to, to managing a Tipperary or, or whoever. I think it's all about your your kind of your currency or your your stock value. That what are you doing now? Are, is it going well for you as a project? Are you learning? Are you improving yourself as a coach, stroke manager? Uh, and I think. The answer to all those questions or those two or three questions I've just posed is that Liam Cahill is doing that. I mean, they've only been defeated by the champions in in his in his two seasons. So his stock is right is is certainly it, it's not it's not in free fall, that's for sure. And so long as your currency is is has value, um you will be approached for those type of jobs. Uh you you'd be always in the mix for them. And I think that's where Liam has come on from. I, I I think it would have if he had walked away from Waterford now, there might be a sense that I won't say disloyalty, that'd be the wrong word, but maybe a sense that you know he kind of left a ship that was in really good shape and had ambitions and aspirations for 2022 and and the knockout in the full league that Rory explains. So I think I think it's um I think it's a good move. One small asterisk, of course, is exactly what Rory said. I think it was Rory or perhaps you, Mikey, said sometimes you don't get offered it the second time around. You and, don't, uh, you might not. Yeah. You know, so don't, don't I know? <laughs> this is this is, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is yeah. what happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you might have all the work done, but somebody mm-hmm. uh, somebody else has come in who also has uh, good stock value, you know, um, whoever that might be. But there's always mm-hmm. good managers in and around Tipperary and there's always good herders so people covet that job if you like because yeah. they know a bit like uh, down south I'm... in Evans County that mm-hmm. if you're there long enough you know if you get a two three four year term you should strike gold in that period because that's just the tradition of it. On, on to Eamon's County. Eamon, you never have this kind of messing down in Kerry. Like, we all think there's succession planning and then there's what Kerry do, which is, you know, we all think you were probably pegged for the senior job about two years out. You were told you had it and um, there was no surprises. And then the next man rolls in behind you and then whoever succeeding Peter Keane was probably told about a year ago and you, you get all your business done nice and early. It's all very quiet and all very orderly. I'm right, yeah? It sounds great, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely not the way it happens. No, like, look, I think I agree with what the lads have said. I think they're both on the money. The only thing I'd say about it, and it was probably a position I was my, I was in myself, that when I was offered the job, I felt I was too young for the job. I was only 35 at the time. Um, and I felt I would have been better off staying with the under-21s and improving myself and getting ready for the big job if it came down the line again but when I thought about it I said look you might not be offered it again and you just have to take it and that must have been something in Liam Cahill's mind absolutely he has a loyalty to the Watford players and he's 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 building something there he must feel that they have a chance of winning the All-Ireland otherwise he would have gone back to Tipperary I imagine but the only kind of caution I'd have for him is that 
you can move from genius to dunce uh, very fast in, 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 in the business he's in. And, uh, you know, the word is, as Kevin mentioned, your stock, Liam's stock is very high at the moment. Um, but <laughs> I well know that can change very fast. And it's all about its, its results. If he continues to build and if he does win in All-Ireland in Watford, I mean, you know, it, it's an incredible achievement. But um, it's a big call for him because when it comes around again, who knows, the next person that comes in in Tipperary could be there for 10 years and win a couple of All-Ireland. So you just don't know. But he obviously believes big time in the Watford lads, which is great endorsement of their, their abilities for next year. Mm. Okay. That's enough Harland chat. It's supposed to be a football podcast. Uh, best of luck to Liam Cahill in his endeavours next year. So, um, later than advertised, uh, 13 days later than advertised, we finally get Tyrone versus Kerry. And um, first off, and before, like, the the COVID issue is, is, we have to get to it, we'll get to it very quickly, but just to shake things up a little bit. Um, I saw yesterday a stat, I think it was the Mayo GA blog retweeted someone. Um, it's quite astonishing, actually, Kerry's record in um, in Crow Park is, is not great. Um, since 2017, when they beat Galway in the All-Ireland quarter semi-final, All-Ireland quarter final, this is Dara Walsh on Twitter, Kerry have played 10 times at Crow Park between league and championship. They've won just one of those games with a sole victory coming against their opponents on Sunday, Tyrone, in the 2019 All-Ireland semi-final. Um, maybe Kevin, you're keeping track of these things better than me, but I was actually quite astonished when I read that because that's just not well, how many times would they have been playing Dublin? How many times would they have been <laughs> playing Dublin in those 10 times? That's the only you know, maybe there's a small caveat that you need to stick an asterisk there. I'm just wondering, I don't yeah, know. It's a good stat now, Mayo, but Mayo in, a, Mayo in a league final, I think, would have been one name. Two, two Mayo wins there, at least, isn't there? All Ireland yeah. semi final as well. Oh, I, I can list them off you if you want, lads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 responsible or partially responsible for some of them. Um, That's why I wasn't coming to you first, Damon, but yeah, fair thanks, play, you stuck your head in there. Thanks, Mikey. Yeah, you just threw that's a nice grenade to launch in at the start of it. Uh 2017, we lost the All Ireland semi-final replay to Mayo and Crow Park. 2018, we lost to Galway um in the first yeah. first game of the Super Eights. That's then where I ended my, so I that's my responsibility up to that point. Uh, then <laughs> 2019, drew with Donegal in Crow Park, uh, beat Tyrone, drew with Dublin, lost to Dublin. Uh, 2020, didn't play in the championship, drew a league game, and we're up to 2021. Kerry actually haven't played a championship game in Crow Park since that Tyrone game, uh, or since the Dublin replay two years ago. So, yeah, of course, yeah. They'll be, they'll be, I imagine, mad to get back up the road and to get playing there again. I would imagine so. Um, it's interesting, that though, Kev, I, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. he's explained it pretty well there, but yeah. it is funny that Kerry are always associated as one of these teams that kind of their championship starts when they get to Croke Park. Yeah. It seems to be that's where it's ending in recent times. Yeah. Of course, the, the kind of outlier was the Munster Championship last year where one and done. Obviously, there would be a great sense that Kerry would have recovered if there was a qualifier and made their way back to Crow Park one way or the other. Um, yeah, it's a, it, I, I certainly, uh, until you list it down, it's very stark when you see it that way. But um, oh, I, look, it's only a stat. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be making any big plans on, on that stat. I think this, uh, the, the game this weekend uh, has a lot more uh, issues 
uh, to consider and debate other than that stat, even though it is an interesting one. <laughs> okay, here's a stat, Rory. Um, it's been it's been reported and seems it hasn't been denied. Seventeen players, isn't it, in Tyrone who were supposedly either you know uh, had COVID or were close contacts. I think seventeen had COVID is what's being reported. Yeah. Um, so they returned to action this week, as in they returned to training. But gosh, we have we have a lot of examples. Emer Lamb, the rower, she was talking about it after the the Olympics, how she returned to training in January and how she she hadn't got a puff. Jack Byrne, um, former Shamrock Rovers player, Ireland international, now out in uh, Cyprus, he had it and he said it just knocked him sideways. He couldn't do ten minutes running. Um, there's a lot of examples. Some of the Galway under twenty lads, I think, have uh, their manager at least. I think he's in the independent today, describing just just the impact it had on them. It's it's like it's, we're here to preview a, a game and big it up. It's live on our TV and radio, but, but it, part, part of me thinks it's it's very difficult to see how Tyrone are gonna muster a shot here. You don't really know. I mean, it's such an imprecise science. The whole thing behind it, the knowledge that we have around it, the amount of facts that we've been furnished with, is all still very sketchy. I think um, I, I, look, you'd have a certain amount of sympathy for him. But you'd probably have more sympathy for Kerry, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, if you're going to go back on the timeline of all of this, and I saw Kieran Murphy making yeah, a really good... That's the, that was brilliant. I saw that angle. Yeah, and, and I think it's a very fair point that he does make in that, you know, like, why didn't they go down the road of ensuring vaccination? A lot of other counties have boxed that off quite early and... Would that have guaranteed that none of this would have happened in the first place? No. But at the same time, if you do also look at the timeline of events, the Ulster final was on the 31st of July. From what we can gather, it was in the days that followed that this started to become a really serious problem. So you're talking early August, maybe August 1st, 2nd, 3rd or 4th. Now, the semi-final is finally being played on the 28th of August, which is, you know... Like it's the nearly a month after maybe the first signs of this problem had first surfaced. The point I would make and the point that I made a couple of weeks ago when you and I and Kevin were actually on this is that the decisions around this needed to be made a little bit more quickly. The, I, I do appreciate that this was an unheralded territory. It was uncharted waters and that they were into an unprecedented situation so that they had to kind of maybe take it a small bit more step by step. But if they knew, if the, if, if, if the governing body and Tyrone, and Tyrone County Board and even Kerry County Board were aware that the problem was going to venture on as far as and as long as it has done, then the decision probably in my mind should have been made a lot faster and like it might have actually afforded Kerry for instance now I don't know if Eamon would agree on this but it might have even afforded Kerry the opportunity to turn around to the lads and say look do you know what we'll release everybody back to their clubs we'll run off one round of club and then we'll bring everybody back in with a two-week run-in again now maybe you can't do that because of bubbles and because of all the other types of problems around that and then you're releasing lads out and then the lads are bringing the hoop but I don't know I just felt that it was there was probably big lessons for everybody to learn along the way. Nobody is blameless here. To be fair, except for Kerry, who I would probably have a lot of sympathy for. And um, I'd have a strong suspicion 
we're going to see <laughs> we're going to see uh, the reaction that they will give probably on the field on Saturday at half three. Yeah. Can I, Mikey? Can I just tease out the the Rory's initial comment uh, on the the Kieran Murphy piece? I've, I think it's in today's times or yesterday's. When I'm online, I get days mixed up. But um, essentially, as I understand, as I understood the piece, um, they did a risk assessment that said we won't vaccinate uh, because of the two weeks downturn in form, which might have Potential. affected their league run, which was very tight, as we all know. So that, that was now that was the risk they took versus not not being vaccinated later on in the in the championship campaign and the risk you took with that. So, you know, I, I would certainly uh, in the postseason review be looking at my risk assessment officer. Uh, he, he'd be on dodgy ground for a reappointment because he may have already assessed that himself. Kev. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I would uh, I would say that was not a clever call. Um, when you look at the likes of the Limericks and the Corks, again, who uh, as a group uh, got double vaccinated very early, very early. In, in, in this process. Uh, and, and then they had to live with the consequences of that decision. So this is the first time in the history of the GA that the league was put before the championship by a manager. But there you go. Um, so uh, it, it, this is the key question, I think. We'll talk football and no doubt tactics and selections but I think that's almost we could almost park that Mikey I think the question here is the ability to play an All-Ireland semi-final at full tilt to bring your A game to Grow Park as I think Niles Ludden mentioned in a, in a press piece um, I, you're talking about the, the, the elite sports persons their roars and, and, and rugby players and so on um, I remember my own family my two of my own children uh, who, who, who got the uh, who got COVID and they're not elite athletes, uh, can I add? Um, but they struggled for a couple of weeks after it, after they came out of their, their 14 day period or whatever, uh, they were still, you know, tired and lethargic and, and what we know uh, is associated with it. Um, not long COVID, I'm not saying that, mm. but into the three, four week department. And now you have elite athletes who are tuned to an announce announce of their their lives uh, trying to manage COVID. And it's an unknown, but the, you know, well, it's not a fully unknown, but the, the little bit we know about it, because we don't have any corporate memory on COVID just yet. We've no, no evidence, no long studies. The little bit we know is that it's highly likely. Did you say 17? I think it is. Or it's 17. 17. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, if three or four of those one was hospitalized, we know as well. Yeah, I mean, and and everything I say now, I'm saying, of course, I have sympathy and empathy with their situation. But, 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 the, the, the upshot of it is that they're coming to Crow Park next Saturday. And it has to be a shot in the dark. They do not know, they couldn't mm. know possibly where they are and how they're going to perform. If, if they're not having full sessions. And that, again, I understand is the case. Yeah, ha, that that's it. Can you know, though, Eamon, in so much as like um, Neil Sutton says in that article on the RT website, um, that all the boys coming back, just gradually being eased in and, we're, you know, being gradually eased in. I'm sure you have examples from your own time where you had a player who was struck down by flu, sounds dramatic, by a cold or an ear infection or something. And you ease him back into training and you've probably done, maybe maybe you haven't, maybe, but maybe you take a chance. You say, OK, we'll start him. How often does that work out and how often do you see the, like he's blowing with 25 minutes gone and you have to hook him at half time or before and 
like we're obviously speculating here some of these lads probably got a runny nose and that was the end of it or maybe not even a runny nose but if if even three or four of them like are suffering from the symptoms Kevin's kind of suggested there it's a hell of a gamble isn't it because all managers know what it's like to risk a player who's hasn't trained properly and was physically incapacitated in some way in the run-up to a game yeah no look I'd say two things in it Mikey I'd say number one and I'm sure Kevin would agree it's almost as sure as a scientific formula one of those algebra folders behind Kevin there that has sent a shiver down my spine when I saw it. Um, <laughs> it's nearly, it's nearly, I was never too hot at the mats, Kevin, but uh, it's near, it's, it's scientific, it's nearly as sure as a scientific formula that if a player misses a couple of sessions, even it tells in their performance levels, mm. um, you know, they need the time. Like we, we, I won't say it was a hard and fast rule, but um, you know, it would take something special for a player to be started in the game for us the following weekend if he hadn't partaken in the AVB week out. Uh, it rarely, if ever, happened in championship. Odd exception here and there, I'm sure, but more often than not, we didn't because uh, once a player missed a couple of sessions at all, it, it told in them when they came back and it took them a couple of sessions to regain their form. So, that's the first part of it. The second part of it then, and again, it's something I would have always believed in myself as a player, and again, when involved in the management, is that regardless of what has happened beforehand, when you cross the white lines, all bets are off. So I'm sure that's the way the, the Tyrone camp will be looking at it, that if you're putting your hand up and you're available for selection, once you cross the white lines, then there's no excuses. There can't be whether you've had a great night's sleep or you've had a bad night's sleep or your food has been great or your food has been off or you've been ill or you haven't, once you go out, you have to perform. And that's that's the environment they're in. It's an unforgiving environment and that's the way it probably has to be. So I'm sure that's the way Tyrone are approaching it this week. Of course, publicly, they're painting the picture that they haven't been able to do very much, but I'm sure whatever 20 players take to the pitch and see action on uh, Saturday evening, they'll be good to go and I'll be I'll be shocked if any of them aren't, you know, close to full throttle. Yeah. Okay. Now, we won't, I won't pretend that's COVID discussion done with here because when we're talking about team selections and everything else, it might pop up again. So there's there's no ban on discussing COVID or this situation. But as you said, we should, we should probably get on and talk tactics a little bit. Um, Rory, it's a, it's, you can't get away from the fact that last time these two teams played... Um, Kerry put up six sixteen to Tyrone's one thirteen in a in a league match, and the the narrative hasn't changed much for Kerry. Everybody thinks this Kerry team are an attacking just force of nature, but Tyrone obviously that was an adir for them, and they have improved a lot. So we can certainly use that as a reference point for team selection, and we can see how both teams have probably strengthened since then in various positions, but. Let's not kid ourselves that Tyrone have learned a lot since that game in June. And they've come through um, a pretty tough Ulster Championship, you'd have to say. I mean, they've beaten in Cavan, um, Cavan, Donegal and Monaghan. You know, they've beaten, we would say, you know, the pick of Ulster football there, really. Um, possibly the last number of champions. Cavan certainly were champions last year. Uh, I think yeah, Donegal, Donegal were champions maybe the year before that. And, so and Monaghan maybe a couple of years before that. So yeah. you know you you would have to say they've been battle hardened. I think they have. They have a lot going for them. The league meeting, in fairness to Peter Keane, I know Peter 
the, the he draws a certain level of derision sometimes with some of the Yera speak that he's accused of. But I actually do believe on the league game from earlier that he does. I'd take him at face value in that. I would read nothing into it. Absolutely nothing whatsoever. Means zero. I'd probably take my cues more from Kerry this year from the way they played against Dublin, particularly in the league when they were seven or eight points down and really put Dublin to the sword the first 15 minutes after, the ha- after half time. But more particularly, two years ago when they beat Tyrone and they were facing, no, they were facing the edge of a cliff on that fi- semi final as well. They were losing at half time, I think, nine, five, there were certainly nine or ten, there were five or six points down at half time. And they came out in that second half and really went after Tyrone. And has there been a huge personnel shift since then? Obviously, we've changed our management in Tyrone. Um, Kerry's still with the same management, but I think one big player from a Kerry perspective, and I've really been enthused about this guy really since I saw him playing for East Kerry in the club championship about a year and a half, two years ago when we first started doing club, is Paddy, David's brother. I couldn't understand for the life of me why he wasn't in with Kerry before then. I just think this fella brings something that I would say if I was the opposition, he'd drive me bananas because he can kind of do everything. He can kick scores, he can get in your face, he's good to win turnovers, he's all action. You know, um, does he have a discipline issue? Apparently that was something that was in his game, Eamon might know more about that. But I'm sure, look, if he's playing inter-county now, that'll have to be eradicated because discipline, as we know, is going to be key. Um, but that's the game that I'd probably look for more as a sign and more of a, a marker in the road to see where these two teams pair off against each other. And I think Kerry have improved significantly in that time. I'm not so sure if Tyrone have. Okay. I was, I was going to start with Tyrone more so, but the, why not? You, you've opened an interesting question there. Eamon, why didn't you pick the Clifford Elder a few years ago? Um Believe it or not, he wasn't ready at the time, Mikey. Uh, he's a very talented sports person plays soccer plays he's very low handicap golfer um you know he's just one of these guys and one of those gets yeah 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 one of those gets we all hate yeah. we certainly don't have to worry about those kind of problems <laughs> but um he he fo- he focused on his football and i think two things that happened simultaneously for him that were huge in his development and pushing him on. He'd been tipping around with the Kerry Juniors, playing a bit with his club, Fassa, playing a bit with East Kerry. But East Kerry started to get stronger and go on the run. He began to take his football more seriously. And then the other thing was he won a Sigerson with UCC. UCC, yeah. And I think that was a huge point for Potty. And, um, you know, he put himself in the shop window in the county championship in Kerry, which is what we often talk about. Uh, he was on. He wasn't obviously on the squad in 2019. He was involved last year. Was peripheral. Came on late in the game below in Parky Cueve. Got a couple of runs in the league, but came back. You know, a different man physically this year as well. I think the lockdowns have probably suited him and other Kerry players from the point of view that there's always a huge amount of club football in Kerry as well as the county scene. Mm. And in terms of actually physically developing, it can be challenging for fellas to have the time to develop like that. So he's in great nick. And I think above all else, he's just in a great place 
in his personal life and mentally to really drive it on. And Rory's right. He's been incredible this year and he's given Kerry uh, something completely different that has been missing. That has been missing. Correct. Yeah. That has been missing. And probably as well as everything he's bringing with and without the ball himself, he's freed up uh, Shawnee Shea a bit as well. Um, to play a bit closer to goal and uh, to become even a bigger scoring threat as well, which is which is which has been a fantastic knock-on effect. So it is exciting for Kerry, but this it's from now on the tests come, and uh, I this is where Paddy's going to find out himself um, what what it's like at the top level. He's not going to get the freedom of Crow Park on Saturday evening like he did in Fitzgerald Stadium for the Munster final and. Uh, he has the ability and he's the temperament in the football to deal with that. But this is going to be his first real test like that. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he deals with that. Yeah, it's it's got a lovely balance, Kevin, hasn't it? I suppose people might have seen the, the Kerry forward line. They might have seen Paddy Clifford might be kind of in a, this is in no way an insult. It's just a, a, a offhand description, like kind of the water carrier role or kind of, the, you know, kind of the, the worker be like Stephen O'Brien and maybe to a, an extent, Jack Barry, like a lot of tracking, a lot of, you know, up and down the field. But he's kind of, he's almost got more of the kind of, the kind of creative role that, you know, we associated with Sean O'Shea last year, which is kind of freeing up O'Shea to do more score. And, and then Geeney and Clifford can be Geeney and Clifford. And um, they just... If you were to pick kind of a, a blend of six forwards for an inter-county forward line, that's kind of almost the six you'd land on. And um, it's interesting that perhaps to those of us not uh, so familiar with Paddy Clifford, we might have seen him in the role he's actually developed into this year. Yeah, no, that, that's that's very true. I think um, the Sigerson medal, Sigerson victory uh, is the key. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a huge moment in a young player's career because it kind of, my memory of playing Sigerson was it proves to you I'm good enough to go on to another level. Physically, I'm able to cope with what's going on around the place because Sigerson, well, certainly back in my time, was was hot and heavy. And if you get through that and establish yourself, you're probably going to be well able to play provincial inter-county. But Eamon's point is, is very well made. The, the big test is coming. He's going to have a Tyrone cornerback now wired into him for 74, 5, 6, 7 minutes. Uh, and the different pressures that uh, a Tyrone cornerback can bring to bear in Crow Park. And he has to deal with all that and then live now with the new expectation that's on Paddy Clifford's shoulders, that there's an expectation in Kerry that he'll score, that he'll, he'll assist, that he'll work hard, etc. And I think one other factor in, in his development um, is probably the success of his brother, who was, you know, came on. It's always nice to have a, a brother around the scene, certainly a fella. Uh, a brother that's just a, a, a superstar near the day he walks out. So there's a great comfort blanket there for him, if you like. And that might have also been part of stepping it up and leaving whatever little um, uh, creases were in his game, getting them ironed out. Uh, and that often happens. I mean, that often happens up here, just to, uh, as Eamon said, it just physically, temperamentally, concentration-wise, just isn't ready to play uh, at that level. So Saturday will be a great test. Um, it's a lovely balanced forward line. I think there's a little bit of balancing still to be done, Mikey. Uh, in in my view, when I when, when I keep coming back over the team, I I with, with the current Kerry team, you know, from midfield up, uh, very decent. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to go back shouting about the defence because I want to talk about midfield balance, um, where you have David 
David Moran playing midfield. I was at his 2006 minor final in Ennis against Roscommon. That's a long time ago now. That's 15 years ago. Uh, so he's up 33, 34. Uh, and he's Kerry's top midfielder. Who's his partner? Jack Barry, Jeremy O'Connor. That has yet to be seen. Um, and I think it probably will be Jack Barry with O'Connor maybe going wing to help out midfield generally. That might be the balance to go for. And then they have, well, that marvellous player, Stephen O'Brien. I think, you know, I've come across him now against him and watched him um, uh, when we were involved in Roscommon. He just, he's, he's just such a busy, busy footballer. He's a great contributor to what, what Kerry wanted to do. And then in the middle for me is the key man. I know Paddy is there and David Clifford is there and Paul Ganey, but Sean O'Shea to me is the man. You know, he's the, the right-footed version of Declan O'Sullivan. Uh, and I can't say much more about him. He, he, he uh, he's, he's outstanding, just outstanding. And he's proven in Crow Park. He has done the business in Crow Park already, even though he's a young man. He's been up there before and he performed. And of course, he brings to Kerry many, many things. But one thing in particular that Tyrone can't, cannot provide, he's an elite free taker. Uh, whereas Dub, or Tyrone uh, have issues around that. Still have, hard to believe it after all these years of goalkeepers wandering into free takers' positions. They might have a different kit though, free taker today. McCurry might Kerry have always had, Kerry have always had that, haven't they, yeah, Kevin? Yeah. It's a great yeah. asset. Like, I mean, Morris Brian and, uh, Sheehan, Morris, you know, you name it, Gooch, the whole lot. They always massive, have top massive. class free takers. Yeah. And range, Rory, range. Yeah, yeah 50 metres, not a bother. And a lot of it off the floor, which is preference under pressure, obviously. Um, so, and all the other things O'Shea brings to it. So I'm obviously really looking forward to seeing him uh, play on on uh, on Saturday as well, but they have a beautifully balanced forward line if it clicks, um, and they you know they will be tested obviously on, on Saturday. But it, it's behind that just what that midfield is going to is is going to contribute will be very very interesting. I know with my Mayo hat on me, uh, we'll be looking very carefully to see what sort of engines, what sort of work rates, box to box, what what can what can these lads cover. Um, you know, as I said, David now is well into his 30s. Jack Barry wouldn't be an incredibly athletic player, but I think the big game changer for Curry would be if they got Jeremy O'Connor up and playing to the level I think a lot of Curry people think he, he can get to. Yeah, um, that'd be interesting to see. Rory, so on midfield, then, like, we're, we're you know, we're talking about David Moran is probably like one of the top midfielders of the last, last 15 years as, as uh. As Kevin has outlined there, playing alongside, you know, Barry or O'Connor kind of lauded as well. Um, it's not an insult to say Brian Kennedy and Con, Con Kilpatrick are slightly, you know, there's less known about them, mm. but you know, they have battled their way through the uh through, through the Ulster Championship thus far. So, you know, they they've earned some stripes at this stage, haven't they, in the Toronto midfield? One hundred percent. But I do, and again, like I think Kevin and Eamon would probably be better than me to a to adjudicate on this. But but I would be of the strong view that their midfield and their whole platform and their game is probably enhanced and helped immeasurably by Tyrone having the edge in one particular area. I definitely think Tyrone have the edge in goal. Yeah. They have the they have the better goalkeeper, not just better than Kerry. Look, he's a better goalkeeper than loads of goalkeepers out there, you know. Um, so I think that's the one that's the one area where Tyrone will have an advantage, and he and he uh, can now kick Rory to he's two laser. very two very big midfielders, even though they are novices, perhaps. 
Yeah, and he's laser like in his in his kickouts. You know, he's and he can very, kick at eighty yards comfortably. Very, very similar to Cluxon. Doesn't need a big run up to get you know a massive trajectory on it. He can he can fire it off fifty meters, standing back two steps, and boom. So I think he's going to be a key part of. Tyrone's launch pad to try and get their hands on primary ball and to see exactly and then from a Kerry perspective it is going to be really interesting to see what they do whether or not they push up and force him to go along and gamble whether or not that ball is going to well you know gamble on the on a midfield battle and let's so I think from that point of view that's going to be really interesting because I do think and then I think we did see as well the last time this sweeper keeper thing what do we think of that? I mean, is is that a bit of a gimmick? You know, he's popping into space. What do you think, Eamon? Like, is you know, like oh, where he's pop? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it is, Rory. Okay. I agree with I agree with every. I think he is going to be central, and I have been impressed with the two boys, Brian Kennedy and Con Kilpatrick. Kilpatrick. Uh, they remind me a bit of Anthony Maher and David Moore together for us, maybe seven eight years ago, where. They, you know, they were big, strong athletes and they gave us a great presence in the middle of the field for a particular type of a kickout. But Morgan, the, the two things I'd say is that, number one, his kickout, especially the big, long 80-yarder that you mentioned there, Mikey, that can take out the Kerry press and Kerry are going to have to adjust a bit for that. And when they adjust a bit for it, then it opens up the little pockets that he's good at picking, at, picking out, particularly in Crow Park. So that's going to be very interesting because Kerry's press has been very effective so far this year and him picking holes in that. Now, they cracked him in Killarney today in Killarney, but I wouldn't read anything into it. But the, the sweeper-keeper thing, Rory, I think is very effective. And I was surprised with some of the commentary afterwards, to be honest, that it's mad stuff and it's bananas and everything else. I was at the Ulster final in Crow Park and... Uh, he he completely spooked Rory Began in the first half, who, in our experience of coming up against Rory Began, he was one of the best kickers that you'd come across. Again, because he had the range, he could go over the top when we pressed up on him. But that pocket that he loved using, the, the 12 pocket for him, yeah. and that he used brilliantly against Armagh when they were under mm-hmm. pressure in that game in the, in the high-scoring Ulster Championship game, Morgan just took it away. He just took it away from and him. It's very, Eamon, it's incredibly low risk. Like, I mean, it's a million to one shot that he, you know, all the spectators, he get caught for a... But did, did he, he not get caught, caught though down in Killarney? Did, did um, was it Gavin Wick kick the ball into the empty net or was it Gavin... One of the... No, I, I wouldn't. No, that that was on one of his own kickouts, so Rory. Right, right, right. right, right. I, like, on, on the opposition kickout. No, so, I agree with Kevin. There's no risk at all there. And what it spooked Rory Began, number one. But who had also spooked was all of the Monaghan players that were getting ready to run into the pocket. Mm. They were looking for the pocket that they know is always there. The next thing, the goalie was there. They weren't running, making the run. The kickout wasn't on. Began was getting frustrated. It, I thought I thought it was excellent. I remember the last year I was in charge. Uh, Shane Ryan didn't wasn't available to us that year. He was playing outfield with his club and he didn't want to play in goals, but. Uh, Shane Murphy from Croaks was in goals with Brian Kelly for us that year and we were trying to get the lads to play out quite aggressively as a sweeper-keeper but it was still a work in progress really by the time I finished up but yeah, I think it's the way the game is going and I think the amount of joy that you get out of it if you can see the odd goal, it's 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 worth yeah. this 
once you're really? sensible, Rory, Be Rory Began probably went a small bit too far maybe by the end of the game when it became a bit mad, but I think if used effectively, it's it's hugely effective. And like like Kevin said, it is very low risk, really. And also and, uh, to, to throw in throw into the into the argument, uh, into the debate, Morgan is very accomplished out the field, and he's very confident about his own ability. He plays outfield for his Eden Dork. Whatever uh, got me, yeah, it is yeah, Eden Dork. Yeah, it is Eden Dork. And, yeah. um, you know, he, he's very comfortable there. So that even reduces the risk from his perspective. And the whole thing is. How confident are you to, as what you're saying, Eamon, aggressively go after the position, go after the ball? He'd do that. He, you know, he's very confident about his own his own abilities, uh, and that's that's a big positive for him when you find yourself out in areas that you wouldn't normally occupy. Interestingly, Shane someone Ryan else can is... go into goals as well, lads. Someone else, sorry, Mikey, so, yeah. like of course that also final again the Last time. Man back. Yeah, Peter Hart went into goals for uh, the time that he pressed right up onto the 20-yard line. Now, that was kind of mad that time because a sub came on. The sub was clever enough to go looking for the shark kick-out because he hadn't been picked yeah. up and Morgan just followed him. But Peter Hart just did into goals. And unless a lot of the time you're not going to get a shot in the goal, it's just to be there and to have the presence to, to mind mind the net. So. If you recall also, and I just give the uh, final tale on it perhaps, uh, so, some years ago, I, mean, I think I think it may be two, three, uh, Dublin, when Dublin went into black card territory, Cluxton went into right corner on the opposition kickout to allow the corner to push up one, and they all toggled up one to cut out the deficit of being down a man. You know, so that, that it, was it, the All Ireland 2019, Kevin. That was, was the, okay. that was right at the end of the the drawn game in 2019. Um, at one stage, Cluxton ended up effectively marking Paul Ganey because again they needed to push out to get back the ball and it worked and they got they got their draw when they were a man down because of Johnny Cooper being sent off and won the replay well obviously so so yeah and there are times where you just have to go after us and the goalkeeper is a, is an extra man both goalkeepers an extra play outfield for their clubs so we we might have a bit of crack and entertainment around the goalies again the we next have to keep an eye have to keep an eye on that yeah, yeah I was about to say that uh, he he plays full four for Ratmore and I know that. Uh, Kieran Donaghy actually was bigging him up, saying now that he's fit and he's firing and you know committed to the cause, aiming that it might be, you know, it would be no harm to consider using him in a more expansive role. And when you know your opposition are almost certainly going to do it, you know, if you have a goalkeeper who's comfortable with the ball in hand or comfortable, you know, in space, you know, without a net behind them, the onus is almost on you to use them because otherwise you're effectively down a man at key points of the game. Yeah, big time. And I think it'll evolve and evolve more. I'll, But I'll be interested to see, and it happened again in the Ulster final, is that if a goalie is out in a pocket, especially if he's out a bit, what happens when you put the kick out out on top of him? I'd be telling our lad, put it out on top of him and let's see what he does then. Is he is he actually going to contest it? Or, or <laughs> Morgan is he gonna, probably would. <laughs> is he going to start sprint, sprinting back? So it, it might be worth testing him out once or twice. Yeah. Rory, we we've mentioned the we've mentioned the the Kerry forward line, which is obviously much lauded, but um, the Tyrone forward line, thanks to a couple of you know notable returns from injury, it's not looking too shabby now at all. When you no. consider the the Ulster final, the starting starting six is O'Neill, McKenna, Myler, McCurry, Donnelly, and Bradley, and you have a uh, certain McS Mr. McShane sitting on the sideline. You know, it's there there there's options Derek, there now. And Derek Canavan, Derek Canavan, and Derek Canavan, of course. You know, so like I like the two of those. 
would be automatic first choices, which means they would like if they were fit and healthy, I would assume they would go straight into that starting six set. And then you're looking at those two lads dropping out of that six set to bolster your bench. Like Tyrone aren't going into Sunday's match with lacking firepower up front. I wouldn't necessarily see that being their biggest problem. I think their biggest issue ultimately, for me anyway, is it's just I'm I'm just not sure and I'm just other than COVID. I'm not sure if anybody I mean, look, we were there in Killarney and we've seen Kerry now a few times this year. Obviously, the acid test is really coming and look, the the tests that they've gotten here to four have not been of requisite quality. They've been very, very poor. Let's be perfectly honest on that front. There's no point in saying otherwise, right? So but still, the movement, the movement up front, and uh, they are playing, they're playing, they're playing it in the best possible style of Kerry football. They have forwards there that are just going to pull you all over the shop. You'll be, you know, and that would be my biggest concern from Tyrone's perspective is that up front, I wouldn't be like they'll probably have to drop a couple back. They might have to drop at least one sweeper. There's no way they'll be able to go man to man with that carry forward line because if they do, they're going to be in massive trouble. And then that obviously takes away a little bit of the a little bit of potency that they have at the other end. And then you have to ask yourself the question then if you start to go with your plus ones or your plus twos, are you going to rack up a big enough score at the other end to compete with? Because you can be sure as night follows day, Kerry are going to score. They're going to score 117, 118, 216, 217. That's what you're going to need to win this game. And I, I can't see Tyrone getting within an ass's roar of that, to be honest. Mm. Uh, to counter that then, Kev, if you were, if you were the, the, the Kerry manager looking at those potential, those potential Tyrone forwards and, you know, let's say McShane and Canavan, well, McShane more, more likely than Canavan, I believe, are coming in there. Um, Kerry, we know aren't blessed with man markers. What are your matchups there? If you're looking at the, if you're the if if you're Peter Keane and you're trying to, you know, prevent Tyrone racking up that score that could trouble you. Well, I I, I don't think that is Tyrone's strongest suit getting big scores. I think their game is all about the other stuff. They've only scored one goal in the championship, Kev. One yeah, goal, and that that would. The, Without looking at the exact numbers, Rory, that would be the sense I'd have of them. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're the sum of their parts. Let me put it that way. And, and maybe just to show a little, and I'll come back to your question, Mickey. I'm, I'm not, I'm not avoiding it. If you, if you look at um, the four lads that cried off the morning of the Ulster final down, down in Dublin, and I, I, one of them has escaped me, but I know I just have my program notes here in front of me. Tiernan McCann, Richie Donnelly, and Frank Burns were three of them. Now that was Rory Brennan. And yes, well done. Rory Brennan is the is is the fourth. Now, Eamon, you bringing them four back in, that's a tasty subs bench now straight away. Yeah. <laughs> if that's where you want to place them. Uh, that is a very tasty subs bench straight away. Uh, you, you can only use five, and there's four top ones uh, immediately. Uh, by the way, just talking about subs, I thought it, and <laughs> I'm going off the tangent again. In the, in the Munster final, lads, when I was reviewing the tape, Kerry have brought it to an all-time high now. They used nine substitutes in the Munster final. Um, they had two blood injuries. But again, in the post-season uh, assessment, they're going to have to have a strong look at their doctor because his stitching speed has dropped dramatically. Tommy Walsh needed 12 minutes 
to get tidied up or find a new jersey or get the blood off him somewhere or other. But there must have been a great rest he had anyway. But nine, <laughs> not nine was a, a new record now uh, since records started being kept for these things. But go back to go back to Tyrone. Um, they're going to be there as they were the first casualties. We'll say of COVID. The expectation is that they will be in fear, fettle, and and that's their four tasty tasty players to be thrown into the action. Um, I think Perry will have to respect uh, what Tyrone are going to bring on Saturday in terms of their own setup, and it, and it might be a little cautious to begin with. I think it might be. I you know I I think I'd be a little cautious just to get a feel for it because Perry haven't played for I, I've it done for five weeks. Is that right? Five weeks. Yeah. Five weeks. So you know you're feeling your way around now the first quarter perhaps, and you can't walk away from the fact that while Monin was a tight game in the Ulster final, Tyrone led at the first water break, led at half time, led at the third water break and won the game. And they led start to finish. So they're quite accomplished. And as Rory mentioned, they've beaten all the champions of, of, of the previous five, six, seven years up in Ulster together. They've had a, a tougher road than Kerry, put it that way. Now, matchups. Um, I don't think they'll go too harebrained about matchups on this occasion, because again, Tyrone don't have any, they don't have a Shawnee O'Shea or a David Clifford. Uh, and my sense is, in the great tradition of, of that county, they'll put their best foot forward in their best positions that suit them. Uh, I wouldn't see, I wouldn't see too many, too many major matchups. Like, if you look at Nigiri and on the other side, uh, Myler. Okay, so they're kind of, as Sean Kavanagh calls them, transition link players. So won't that, that be perfectly suited for Gavin White stroke Paul Murphy? No big deal at all in that in that type of a matchup. So I see the Kerry defense very much manning their selection positions um, and seeing seeing what uh, Tyrone have to throw at them. Uh, and I would see a, a cagey enough opening quarter because just the length of time that has been since the last competitive action, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it lends itself to anything. Even though I know Kerry will want to, you know. Have a blistering pace and all that. I, I I don't think it lends itself to that. I think there'll be a bit of feeling out. Okay. Um, mm. Okay, lads. Uh, I think we'll get on on to predictions. And before we get on to this, I just want to note that on our last football podcast, one of the uh, only one member of the podcast predicted a Mayo win, and uh, one, one did predict extra time. <laughs> I did say so, extra time. Yes, who, I did. Who, who was I, that? Who was that, Mikey? That was me. Well done. Yeah. And I also said that they would do it by by mimicking Wexford's manic aggression in their uh, Leinster first yeah. round match. Did you have a punt on it? You see, there, there's a great story told about the, the, the late and great Paddy Shea. You know, he'd bump into Mayo lads in the Burlington uh, in the early part of the year. And uh, there was one friend of mine in particular uh, when he bumped into him, had, had a very quick um, answer from him. He said, oh, I have a great feeling about Mayo this year. God, there's something in them. I, geez, I liked what I saw in the league and so on. And yeah, I think this could be the year. And your man would always say, show me your bed slip. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was a, well, that was a good call. Fair play to you. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm not a betting man. And um, no, just being able to lord it over... Great football men like you is all the reward I have. <laughs> so I'll get things going here by saying that I think Kerry are going to win. I know it's a big call, lads, but I just have a feeling in my waters. Eamon, do you agree with me? This week. <laughs> uh, no, look, I, I'm very 
uh, worry of Tyrone. And, uh, you know, I think the, the players and management will be approaching it that way, Mikey. They'll be very much COVID talk and anything else will be put very much to the, they're going to expect to be playing against Tyrone at full tilt. Um, I think it'll be tighter than people think it will, but I do think Kerry will win. I'm, I'm a bit worried about the lack of contests so far, but there's a lot, an awful lot of the Kerry lads are playing well. Um, as individuals, they're playing well, and I think that they can up their game for whatever comes at them on Saturday. They will be ready for us. Uh, they, I, I'm hopeful they'd win. I think it'll be a bit tighter maybe than some people think. Okay, Kevin? Yeah, I, I'm with Damon on, it, on, on that as well. I, I seek a carry victory, maybe four or five points, six points, that type of it. Um, I, I see it being a, a bit cagier than perhaps uh, others. Uh, you know, I think it, I think it's going to be a fair bit of fighting, inv- uh, competitive fighting uh, involved, as in uh, it could be the qu- third quarter. I was looking at um, the tape for Kerry against uh, Cork, and they got uh, three goals, bang, 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 in I think it was an eight or nine minute period. And that zipped up the the body bag fairly easily mm. and it will be probably quarter three before we see the full powers and might uh, of the Kerry team but it, obviously with the a Mayo interest uh, in the final you know we'll be glued to the TV to see um, what what uh, Kerry are going to produce and indeed I think Tyrone will for for every ounce in them above all games they will want to raise a major gallop in this one. That, that's mm-hmm. a given, fellas. That's that's the nature uh, of, of the rivalry. Uh, and whether they're miles off the pace or not, they will give it their last downs. Now, I don't think it's going to be enough. And I think COVID is a major, major part. If COVID wasn't in this storyline, um, I, I, I think we'd be in for a massive contest on, on Saturday. Yeah. But no, carry, uh, carry four or five points, something like that. Okay, in the third quarter. Rory, as a Cork man, you'd just be looking forward to a game that's competitive at halftime, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this stage, Jesus. Yeah, we'd, we'd be glad of that. Like, But um, yeah, I look, I think we could. And do you know what? Like, I'm going to go against the grain. I think that we might not get that either this, this, this Saturday. And I'm not just saying that. I can understand there is a little bit of historical voodoo there with Tyrone. In relation to Kerry, obviously going back to the noughties and everything that happened then, I think in fairness to Tyrone, certainly under Hart in, the, in that era, I think they, and I think that probably still pertains, like Kerry would kind of carry a kind of a mystical quality in a Gaelic football sense for most Ulster counties, but particularly for Tyrone. And I definitely think if they're going to raise their game and accept the challenge of taking on Kerry, there's no one better. But I think they're like, there's like, to my mind, Kerry will win this pulling up and um, it'll be the two unbeaten teams, rightly, in this year's All-Ireland final. Okay. Unbeaten teams of 2021, that is. Yeah, I think, yeah. am I right now? Mayo yeah. and Kerry have not lost a game. I think or, Kerry yeah. had a draw, obviously. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think Kerry, I think Kerry will win comfortably, but... You know, I'm not, and I'm not saying that. <laughs> that's that's just a genuine talk. <laughs> I'm trying to say it to upset Kerry at all, Eamon, anyway. It's all right, Rory. What does the guru on Wexford think? 
Oh, I, I've already predicted a Kerry win as well. So Kerry win, sorry. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. So no, this is a error free zone here. No, no, there's <laughs> yeah, no yeah, mind yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, folks, thanks very much. Uh, just a reminder: of course, the game on Saturday is live on RTE Television, the RTE Player, and on RTE Radio, and live blog and report and reaction and everything else on the RTE website and the RTE News app. So thank you to Rory, thank you to Kevin, thank you to Eamon, and I hope everybody has a lovely weekend and enjoys the match. Thanks very much. Okay, lads. Bye. See you, Cheers, Eamon. guys. See you, lads. See you, How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point, and there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses.